0: All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I am looking forward to sharing a really powerful podcast. At least I believe it's going to be powerful. The topic itself is something that I have been navigating and journeying in my own personal experience, which is the gates of the masculine heart and the depth of feminine devotion. And if you are new to this podcast, you will know that deeper intimacy is essentially about creating conscious conversations with humans who are navigating hilarity, masculine, feminine dynamics, intimacy, sexuality, tantra, and consciousness in our relating. And so today I have a very special guest, Alex Mishka, on. And yeah, I would love to welcome you on. Alex, hello. Thank you for being here.
1: Aloha. Hey, Amanda. How are you doing? Thank you so much for inviting me onto your new revamped podcast. It's an honor to be here. And uh, I remember this podcast way back, back in 2018. You're one of the earlier incarnations. And you're one of the first leaders I found in the field. So it's a real pleasure and, and uh, honor to be here with you now talking.
0: Mm, yeah, it's amazing how much has transformed over the years, and how I think you can say this for yourself as well. You know, as we're journeying on this path, there's so much, so many more layers that we have, and so much knowledge and embodied wisdom through being on our own personal paths. And I discovered you. Um, I think it was maybe two years ago I started seeing some of the stuff that you were putting out around men's work and relational work and. I could feel a big influence from uh, John Lamine Lind, who is one of my favorite teachers as well, in your writings and your teachings. And I know that you do men's work, but why don't you start by just sharing a little bit more about you and what you do? And perhaps even if you want to give a little entry point into how you got to do what you do.
1: Mm, Yeah, everyone loves this bit. It's the origin story, right? I uh, found my way into this field about 10 years ago, primarily through the dating scene and how to become a better social connector and, and meet more women. And, and that eventually led into this idea of the inner child and shadow work and how to live life as a powerful man and get your shit together. And that kind of led deeper into men's work and this idea of uh, what does it take to actually not just meet people, but then hold inside a connection hold your own and and nurture that connection. And then that just the work just got deeper and deeper over the years. And I think about four years ago, I made that commitment. I think when you hear the clarion call and you realize you found your dharma and you're like, this is it, this is it, I'm all in. Um, And so ever since that point, I undertook a number of trainings. I found the right teachers. John was one of them. And I've had a good mix of female and male teachers, which has been wonderful a really nice even balance of kind of exploring my own sensuality and eros and then grounding and presence and the more masculine side of things. And yeah, people like Chris Bale, John Wineland were big big influences in my life and continue to be. And so yeah, I found my way into embodied men's work. That's kind of the tip of the spear, like helping men find their power and connect more with the deeper layers of themselves so they can be stronger leaders in their lives and relationships. I'm a licensed erotic blueprints facilitator. One of the few men that's trained in that modality under Jaya and her team. She's a sexologist from the States and also fascinated by intimacy and relationship. And I love helping women and couples as well as men figure out who they are as relational beings. Mm. And I live on the island of Ibiza and I have a number of programs that I run here. uh, Masculinity workshops and retreats and working with people one-to-one.
0: Beautiful. A lovely mixed bag, I feel. Um, yeah, there's lots of things there for people to dive into. And at the end of the show, there will be, of course, your website and people can find you more fully through that. But I'm curious, you know, I'm one of the reasons why I love interviewing men on the podcast is because there's really, there's usually a shift, like a turning point in every man's life where he went through a series of patterns that ended up in a place that he didn't want to be in until one moment he was like, okay, enough is enough. I need to stop creating this pattern. I really want something more from life. And therefore I'm going to start my waking up journey or whatever we want to call it. What was that moment for you? Like, When was the moment where you realized that, okay, something's got to change because I'm not actually getting what I desire in life?
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Another epic question. So actually, at the age of 28, which is classically sat, the, the Saturn's return, the age of, I think, all human beings to enter adulthood. And my whole life came crashing down. I'd been avoiding uh, a lot of stuff via numbing and drug addiction for about eight years after the passing of my father. And yeah, I was just enmeshed in a huge amount of debts and addiction and hedonism, and, and, and it was a mess. The whole thing came crashing down. And I had to rebuild it from scratch. And I think that was the first, my first main rites of passage was like, how do I become, how do I leave the nest? How do I leave the village? How do I find my creativity? How do I fix all these issues? Why am I constantly recreating these patterns of addiction and numbing? And why do these relationships keep failing? What's going on here? I think every man has to ask himself at some point who he is, why he is, and where, where is he going? And it takes great chaos and breakdown. for for that to happen for most people, I think. And out of the rubble of that moment in time, I slowly began to find father figures and find people to look up to and find people that could help me develop my man skills. And slowly finding my independence and going back to school to study and then finding the right men in the scene of the dating field. And those men were carrying the torch. There's this been a massive proliferation of pickup culture in the last decade, which is a very toxic culture, but within nested within that scene were some really amazing men that were leading the way in terms of genuine men's work, how to be an honest, kind, caring, lovely man that has integrity and honor, but is also great at meeting and connecting with women. And that was Mm. a great entry point, I think, for this work
0: yeah it's interesting. I think there's <laughs> the men's pickup culture is like masculine manipulation. It can be right? It can be, and i it makes me happy to hear that not all men are in that culture are like that, and that you found a few, yeah leaders who you could feel that were actually coming from an authentic place because it is a journey as a man to be the one who needs to be the initiator and hold the direction of the ship and and constantly putting yourself out there. And yeah, it's, that's a rite of passage in and of itself, like learning how to continue to put yourself out there, even when you're being told no over and over again and not take it personally and learn, huh, why is this woman saying no to me? And whatever it is, whether it's going on a date or having, buying a drink, if you're at the bar or a sexual experience, it's a beautiful mirror of, you know, the feminine is always a beautiful mirror for us. Like, ah, okay, whatever she's embodying or expressing is a beautiful reflection for me to see myself even further. So yeah, when I reached out to you, um, like we've been kind of chatting a little bit on Instagram here and there, and I had this question for you. And I think that this is something that I see a lot in, in my world and a lot of the women that I am working with, which is a lot of the women around me have done a lot of inner work and they're really committed to showing up, especially in relationships and sexuality. And they carry a level of inner knowing and, and a level of depth that is can be quite intimidating, to be honest. And what I see a lot of these women kind of coming up against is that actually their level of depth that they're wanting to bring into relationship with with a man, or you know, the masculine in general, but I'm going to use men as masculine and women as feminine, even though hopefully anybody who's listening to this knows it's much broader than that. But there's almost like this level of depth that can be perhaps intimidating or scary, it seems as though to men. And I'm wondering if you can speak into that a little bit, like what does a woman who's really done her inner work and can almost pierce right through you how, what, what happens in your system as a man or what do you observe in the, the men that you work with? And do you observe this kind of dynamic playing out between people in this field of, for lack of a better word, waking up or doing their inner work?
1: Yeah, it's, well, it's a, a beautiful question. There's so many layers to it. So hopefully we can unpack it gently. And I don't have all the answers, by the way, but I love considering this because it's huge, been a huge part of my own journey. All the best women in my life leveled me up that it was the deepest, best shadow work. And it was brutal, and it made me the man I am today. Yeah, I think this, you know, it's that kind of cliche, the adage of, well, you wanted an awakened woman, and now you've got one, what are you going to do? And it's, com- it's really confronting for a lot of men to step into that depth of connection. And the feminine heart can be very penetrating when she's that wide open and has really embodied herself and is carrying that energy yeah it's it's intimidating in many ways and we can often look for ways to sabotage a connection if we're not quite quote unquote prepared or ready if we don't feel we have our lives in a certain way to carry and hold and contain the partnership it can be even more intimidating because deep down i think a man who's waking up really wants to protect and contain and hold with a certain level of structure it makes him feel something deep on the inside in terms of his value and the two main masculine Mm. wounds are the wounds of inadequacy and abandonment and when he's faced with a force of nature like that the spotlight effect can often happen inside his psyche where he's he's got to really consider how well am I doing am I doing it well enough am I going to be good enough can I carry all of this and you know we can we can track the trajectory of a partnership in our minds and wonder, I don't, maybe I don't have what it takes right now. Maybe I don't want to go this deep just yet. Maybe I'm not quite ready for all of this. And I know a lot of women tend to simplify this process, which is, which is valid in that, babe, if he really wants to be with you, he'll find a way. Like that's true as well. But there's so many nuanced layers to this about what can happen inside our minds and our psyches and our emotional realm, when we're not in the perfect place. I mean, for instance, my I did a speech at my sister's wedding on New Year's Eve, and it was a great honor to speak because her husband was a really good friend of mine, Finn. And he popped the question to our late mother to ask permission to marry my sister. And it was a beautiful day. It then took him two years to actually ask her. <laughs> and we were all wondering what's going on. So I had to sit him down and go, look, and no conditions aren't perfect in your life right now because you're building a business. But if you don't ask her, you're going to lose the opportunity and that would be bad for our friendship, but also you might lose her. So just crack on, get, it, get the question done and jump in. And he did, thankfully. But, you know, we can often want to wait for the right time or we can be intimidated by the depth of her being. Or we can find out that once she reveals her heart and is all in, that maybe we're not all in that can put that mm. another spotlight effect on it. So there's a lot going on. There.
0: And what, what makes me curious is, especially for the women who are listening to this, and maybe it will provide some introspection, because I think sometimes men, it's like they can feel something in their heart isn't opening, but yet their consciousness or their mind hasn't quite yet grasped, oh, well, why don't I feel safe? Because I believe the heart is really about safety at the end of the day. Like, when you feel fully safe and when you can fully trust that person or yourself, the heart will open. And I feel that, you know, with some men, maybe they're like, oh, my heart is just not opening. And they're maybe not fully aware of why. And I'm curious in the work that you've done both personally and with the men that you've worked with, what are some of the things that that come up against somebody feeling safe for their heart to open that you see in, in relationship dynamics?
1: Yeah. It's really interesting to consider the fact that every man has a different density in his nervous system. Some men are really hungry for connection to be seen and held. Some just aren't able to kind of access that deeper layer within themselves. It's usually down to the mother wound in that there's kind of a cold emotional front in them. And they want to feel, but they haven't been given access to their lives as they were growing up. And so it's, it's kind of a foreign realm to them. And this idea of feeling safe is integral. You know, the heart is our receiving pole. It's where we receive information, energy, emotion. And we're extremely sensitive here. And we can get easily overwhelmed by the gravity of what's happening. We can short fuse or short circuit quite quickly if we're too overwhelmed. Like, for instance, if we come back after a day of work and suddenly we're hit by a wave of feminine emotion or expression, we can shut down really quickly because we're just not ready for it. We may need a bit of time to warm up to the conversation or the incident or the, the atmosphere or the energy that's coming from our partners. And so if you kind of blow that example up to big life decisions or entering into the tra- trajectory of a committed partnership, there's a lot of pressure and that can close down the masculine heart quite a lot. It's the pressure of performance. It's the pressure of, of considering everything. It's at work. So I work with a range of men that, that are either quite closed off in their intimate emotional realms, or they're wide open and they're really hungry for love. And their partner is quite in their, in their masculine and is not reciprocating in the way that they want. But in terms of beginning the trajectory of a partnership, there's so many questions at stake. It's like hitting the bullseye mark, you know. Can we, can we fight gracefully? Can we play a good game of tennis? Can we rally? is this person really right for me? And I, what I realized in my history, and this is about 2018, I met an incredible Italian woman that changed the course of my life. And it, I realized it takes me three months for the first gate of my heart to open to someone. If the first gate opens, then we can open and rise in love. We all know trauma bonds, which is the falling in love effect, which is the... <sighs> Oh my God, my whole nervous system's burning up and this is too intense, right? We all know that. <laughs> we can play that game and it's possible if you're, if there are two practitioners that have done their work, that game is it's possible to play that game, but that's a spicy game of tennis and it's usually quite exhausting. <laughs> but that first gate of the heart opening was a real revelation to me. And I tell you what, I nearly, I nearly lost my chance with that woman because I wasn't committing to her giving her the attention she wanted in that three-month space and I'm glad she allowed me back in because it was a relationship that changed the course of my life in so many ways I learned so much through her but most importantly I learned that yeah it takes me time and there's something about three months is this it's the triad you know one two three you go through your own inner cycle and you mm. feel that first gate is just the first gate I and mean, you don't really know what happens afterwards and there's no surety that you're going to be in for a for a long, long time, but it's it's that part it's that inner knowing of like, I'm in. I mean I'm in. I want you. You're you're it.
0: So this is this is really interesting for me. And what comes up for me is like this curiosity. So I, I know a lot of women who are like I'm so ready. I'm so ready. I am so ready to be met in partnership. I'm so ready to be claimed. I'm so ready. My heart is so open. And then and we kind of talked about this before before we had this conversation where, yeah, I'm curious about, about that dance, right? That three-month dance. So if this woman is like, I'm I'm holding my heart open, but I'm also going to be particular about who walks into my field. Like I can speak for myself. My heart right now is, is super open and I'm going to be very selective about who I choose to let into my sexual, energetic and emotional field. But the truth is, is that if I let someone into my field as a woman, I've already scanned him. Like I've already scanned, who is he? How does he show up in life? How is he in relationship to money? How is he in relationship to brotherhood? How is he into relationship in, you know, his personal dynamics? So if I open myself up to you and say, okay, let's start dating, chances are I'm going to know almost immediately if I can go deeper or not. For me, maybe it's different for other women, but because where I'm at in my deep knowing that I'm ready for devotional love, I'm already kind of, I'm already scanning before I even start to take those steps of dating you and specifically having sex with you and relating deeper with you. But it sounds like men need more time and more space. And so what would you say like as a container, like this woman, I think we spoke about this also before she was like, my heart is open here. Are you ready? And there was this kind of dance of you of like, ah, I don't know. And kind of maybe avoiding or going backwards. What, what would you say with, with this three-month container? What is the right way for a woman to both let a man know like, hey, I'm ready and I'm ready to dive in with you, but also guard her heart because after three months, you could be like, mm, yeah, actually, sorry. It's, it's not, you're not the one that I really want to open with. Like, What would you say how to navigate that from both a feminine, maybe knowing of, hey, I'm ready. Otherwise, I wouldn't be in this stance with you. And the masculine needed to find his readiness.
1: Oof, juicy question. <laughs> <laughs> um, firstly, just to compliment the the how how quickly the feminine can fast track and scan the environment and the man and know like oof, yeah you've like it's just you can decode things so quickly when you're that well attuned to yourself. And I I hear you I hear you in that moment and that feeling of like yeah I'm, I'm, I got I've got this I like you. Let's dance. And it's really interesting that courting phase because there's I love this theme of elegant boundaries. And for me, boundary systems are like a fatherly energy. It's like that really integrated masculine energy. I'm like, okay, yeah, come in, but also, you know, let's hold, let's just play with each other to see what really comes up. And it's this beautiful dance of like, let's let's see what you what what you're going to reveal. I met a woman last year, actually, that I was... There were two women last year that were the the contenders for my heart. And Mm. the second one, I was convinced in the beginning was going to become a a long-term partnership. But I knew that I had to play that three-month passage of time. And what began to be revealed to me was that we couldn't actually play a good game of tennis. Just our rackets were tuned differently. And I was coming up against a very intense kind of psychic firewall of her inner child. And I recognized it as a pattern that I'd encountered a lot in my past. I wanted to move past. I knew that I wanted to dance with someone that made a bit more peace with that aspect of themselves. And so I, after three months ended the connection and there were many times when I regretted it, wasn't entirely sure if I made the right choice. There was a deep inner knowing that that was a cycle that I wanted to move past. And it took three months to get there. Mm. What I realized about her is that she was wide open and wasn't playing that game of discernment. That, you know, like that boundary system of like, okay, I see you, man. And I'm going to hold my heart and I'm going to read the field and I'm going to read you and read what happens between us. And I could feel that that aspect of her wasn't that well integrated, the father, kind of the inner father. Mm. and I didn't want to carry that with her. I've done it too much in the past. I didn't think we were going to play a good game of tennis, and I think there's something about that holding back with a bit of discernment. It's actually really sexy. There's something really magnetic about someone that's really holding their own and kind of just reading, reading the game, reading the field, reading you, and holding back a bit while being potentially open and ready to dance, but there's, it's like you're kind of sniffing them out. Like a wolf, like an animal, I see <laughs> you look good, but let's let's see how it goes Let's play a
0: little bit, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. yeah, and so the quality face can become really a really fascinating dance, and i'm I, and this is me coming from a man who used to be wide open way too soon, give his heart up on mm. a platter, you know mm. very much that nurturer, fixer, elements of the nice guy it's you know it took me a while to kind of. Put a, put a spear in that and learn how to dance with elegant boundaries.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. I can notice like as I hear you speak about this, there's like, oh yeah, there's like this aliveness, like eros like running through my body because this is, it's 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 one of my favorite parts of dating. I have friends who hate dating and <laughs> then I, I I really love dating. Like I, whenever I, but I'm also the type of person that When I date someone, I don't typically like to date multiple people. Like, I'll date multiple people until I actually start really dating someone. And then it's like, ah, yeah. Now I kind of want to close my, my field down a little bit. But this is where, as a woman, it becomes harder for me because if I close my field down a little bit and I'm like, okay, I want to test the waters with you. um, That's where my own attachment system starts to be like, okay, well, the more dates we spend, the more sex we, you know, making love we have, the more, time we spend next to each other in presence, the deeper I start to be like, yeah, the, the more I start to open, which is such a beautiful gift and what's needed. But it's also kind of scary to feel like, oh, well, I'm opening and opening and narrowing down my field. And I don't know where you're at. And I don't know. And so I'm curious about this kind of conversation. Because I know in my own past experience that If you if I have brought in this conversation of like, hey, you know, we've been dating, for instance, my last partner, we were dating for three months, he was at my house often, like he was really showing up as if we were in relationship. And at the three month mark, I'm like, okay, so do you want to be in relationship? Or do you not want to be in relationship? Because it's fine either way. But I need to know because I'm going to move very differently if you still don't want to be in relationship. So I'm curious for you, you know, as a man and and just in your own embodied experience, how do you feel the best way to, to bring in this conversation and when to bring in this conversation? If you know in your life, you're like, hey, I want partnership and I want long-term partnership and I fucked around enough and had enough experiences that I'm no longer looking for that. And I don't want to put any pressure on you to feel that you need to be that person. But I also want you to know where I'm where I am because I don't want to just be a lover. When is the, the if there is a quote-unquote right moment to kind of bring this into a man and, and let them know where you're at without putting pressure that he has to be that person and without, yeah, that's, I guess that's my question.
1: Yeah, beautiful. And I love what you've described there of, of this, the unfolding layers of you going a little bit deeper and then cutting off just the peripheral distractions and, and then you're opening and investing and, and, and feeling and like, I'm in, let's dance, like it's on. And wanting. we've got to protect ourselves in the courting dance. And yet at the same time, it's always a huge, a huge risk. There's no, mm-hmm. there's no way out of the risk, no matter what we're doing in relationship. <laughs> it's just, there's going to be risk. And mm-hmm. I, I guess that we all have to accept that, unfortunately. But I love your question. I found, that, again, this kind of meat-like layered boundaries of like, okay, no sex for the first six dates. And then we find out if the animals actually like each other and the compatibility is there. And the idea of relationship check-ins after the first month, like let's sit down and talk. How are you feeling? And without putting too much pressure or the spotlight effect again on this, whatever it is, but developing that, that those kind of intentional, more structured dialogue practices when we both know you really like each other. It just allows things to kind of be cleared in the relational space as they're developing. Mm. and Again, it's that kind of gently guarding, guarding the heart and not opening too soon. And I think what is especially challenging is when the relationship story develops aside our head of what is and could be possible and what we actually Mm. want. We see that trajectory down the finishing line or a few months down the line, all the beautiful things that are possible. And then when that doesn't work out, it's the death of many things. It's the death of the future that we had in our heads and the death of an identity that we had in our, in our souls. And it's also the death of the physical connection. So it's hard not to project into the future when you're really feeling it with someone. It's just, yeah, it's, it's a tough one. So my only process I know works for me is to just go slowly with building the pressure of intensity of physical connection and c- consistently clearing the space with check the relational check-in. And so I was just saying and really treating that as an early ritual. If it's if it's if it starts early as a ritual, with the candles, the incense, you know, the music and, and being with each other in conversation, if that's too much for someone in the first couple of months, then I don't know. that's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I was thinking about this the other day and I was like, damn, because there's, there's this archetype, right. That the one that I'm unfortunately attracted to, which is like the, the, the tantric playboy, the tantric spiritualized playboy, like the one who, who who invites me over to his house and lights the candles and puts good music on and has incense. And I'm like, oh yeah, my Shakti is like, oh, he knows he's, he's, he knows what he's doing, you know? And Unfortunately, that can also be a game. It can also be like, okay, cool. Yeah, you can light incense and you can light candles and you can create a space. But like, can you really fucking meet me in the emotional depths? And I think for a lot of men, it's it's this is where I feel like the immature versus the mature masculine are really invited in. Like, yeah, it's great. You can have a woman over, light the candles, have a nice juicy time and you can be this like poised. Ah, yes, look at me. I'm so spiritual. I can have this conversation and create this container. But then what actually really happens when the real shit starts coming up? Like this is the whole thing about relating, you know, dating and being the Mr. Suave or you're the spiritual playboy or whatever, even the, you know, in the seductress, the tantric seductress also. But like, yeah, this moment where, yeah, there's going to be a point and it's usually actually around six months where the stuff starts coming up and like, you know, the, the deeper emotional layers of. And how can you gauge that in a woman? Like, what if a woman's really holding herself for the first three months, but then after the new relationship energy phase is over, when all of the childhood wounds and emotional patterns are really starting to play out, holding that space. And that's where I feel like, I don't know, almost a lot of men, like, I, I see that you have all of the aesthetics, but my deeper question is like, how do I know that you're going to be able to stand in the fire when your childhood shit's coming up and my childhood shit is coming up? And this is like, it's a really tender, fragile space. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Bang. Welcome to the second gate. <laughs> <laughs> um, it just doesn't get, it doesn't get easier. It just gets more intense, doesn't it? Because then, yeah, you're right. Six months is usually the period where the real triggers started landing. And it's like, okay, how do we, how do we repair this? Can we repair this? Do you want to repair this? I really don't want this to kind of just like dissolve and, and crumble at this point, because now I'm really in. You know, and that, I remember that happening on a couple of occasions around that six-month mark of things really deepening, and there's that inner knowing between both parties that yeah, we this is this is a thing now. This is there's been a, a a public declaration of like yeah, we're we're in this together, and then th- yeah, th- things begin to really heat up with our reactive patterning, and and that, that those points, it's you have to have some kind of toolbox to go to. And I know a lot of men on this island, actually, that are dedic- they, kind of code of independence and masculine freedom has become a little toxic because I asked them, like, they say, well, after three months, they get bored.
0: Mm, yeah, that's I'm toxic.
1: Like, <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's just like, well, how, do you, how are you going to get to depth of devotion in your life? You say you want a family. And I have to ask this to myself all the time because constantly the, con- the constant desire for the next shiny thing or freedom is, is, is just ingrained into our being. Mm. So I always, when the I'm working with a man, I'm just reminding him, look, when you get to depth and devotion, what's possible in that space if you hold in that place and can provide a safe structure for that inside yourself and with, with her? Like the gold you get from that Cannot be found anywhere else, ever. And that's it. (laughs) So you can give up early, but you're going to miss the bucket of gold at the end of the rainbow. And and it's so worth it staying in and finding a way to repair well, to get the game of tennis and get the rally back on the court. And when you can learn to read someone's nervous system and, and, and learn how to soothe their nervous system and have that gifted back to you, Jesus, that's you're undoing your whole kind of karmic record in this lifetime. Everything you've inherited mm-hmm. from your child suddenly gets a safe space to unravel and be held and work through. There's no other way we can do it. So, you yeah, know, it's worth reminding ourselves that it's, it's definitely worth taking the risk and finding people who can play a good game of tennis to do the repair. It gets really intense.
0: Yeah. And I think that this is, you know, this is what innately the feminine knows. And as more men are starting to feel that it's okay to have a feminine inside themselves, and it's actually necessary and needed, especially if you want a relationship, especially if you want a deep, fulfilling, rich, en- enlivening relationship, you need to have a relationship to your own feminine, regardless of what gender. And I think that this is really like what the feminine knows innately in her being is that it's actually, you know, the longer that we go and yeah, it's going to be hard, but that's also where the richness is. And the feminine in general is so used to having these, this emotional expression and working with it and being with it and feeling, I mean, even a woman in her hormonal cycle, right? She's, she experiences the depth of feminine emotion in one month. And I think that there's like a part of the men who haven't really cultivated this relationship with the depth of the feminine emotion that it's, this is fucking terrifying because it's like, wow, you already, you work with your emotions and you are your emotion. You are emotion, you know, like get a creative life force, energy, emotional current. And you innately by being more in your feminine essence, you're so much better at holding that storm. And maybe not, obviously there are unembodied women who project the storm onto their partner and that's a whole nother topic. But for the embodied woman, I also think it's very intimidating and maybe I'm wrong, but it's very intimidating for men because it's like, like you're going to go to that level and that depth of feeling. That means I fucking have to go there. That means that you're going to have to like awaken that in me. And that's fucking terrifying because I've never had... This space to really access or connect to or embody or embrace or even hold my emotions because my whole life I've been taught that my emotions are make me weak that I that I shouldn't express them that I shouldn't show them and this is where I feel like there's this wisdom of the feminine that knows the depth and and the devotion that's in that and it can also it can it, yeah there's this thing in the masculine when he meets a really deep woman it's like holy fucking shit that means I really got to go there in order to meet you. And I'm curious, yeah, what, yeah, what that awakens in you.
1: Yeah, that's, that that ties really beautifully back to the origin of this conversation of like what happens when a man meets a woman who's found her depth and her embodiment and is wide open and bringing like all of these incredible layers. And he has to consider like this, 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 the psychosexual realm, like, like how do I meet her in that, in the realm of eros and sex, and you know? Meet her depth there and satisfy, and you know, like ravish her there, and and then also, how do I hold space for her storms and the depth of her expression, and this wild, untamed force of nature that is ready to pop at any time? That's fucking intimidating for a man, because again, it, it ties into that, that almost competitive. How do I, how do I get? Am I good enough for this? Am I good enough for this deep down? And yeah, like a man accessing his full range of being able to receive his own emotion and surrender to what he's feeling. And so then being able to attune to her. Because I think this theme of attunement is huge. We don't have to be um, wildly emotionally expressive. It's just the depth that we've met ourselves. And women know when they've met a man who's met a depth within himself. It's that ability. He can attune to himself. He can feel what's in him. He can wrestle with his own emotion and process it. And if he can process his own emotion, then he can help hold space for hers as well. And and a lot of the time, I don't think women want... I want to speak for all women, but I I have worked with a few, and I don't think the desire is to be met with equal emotion. It's to be met with a man that can hold what's happening in the room and Mm -hmm. kind of steer steer her back to a part of herself through his presence, through his directive, his, through his body, through the tone of his voice, through something that he can do to pattern interrupt the moment and bring them both back to, into connection. And that, that's, that's like Jedi stuff, man. That's stuff that takes a long time to learn. <laughs> need multiple teachers, like time on the mat, time in the dojo, time in the relational space. And I think a lot of the time, you know, women are just streets ahead mm. of a lot of the men. They're meeting because you're so hungry for this work. You know, you're so mm. you're so hungry for this evolution, and you're outpacing men at a rate of knots. But um, yeah, it's a big one, definitely. If a man can achieve his own emotion and process it, he can help us.
0: Yeah. So you briefly you briefly mention like this was my next question for people who are. Um, listening and and they want a bigger range or a bigger capacity to be able to hold not only because of course the masculine is hit in his emotional body every time the feminine is having and she's much more usually much more much more subtly attuned so she feels much she feels a lot more and that of course impacts the the, the masculine or the man in this case is ability to not he no, not only has to hold himself but he also has to hold her and ideally in a, in a beautiful relationship there's both holding each individual is holding themselves and the masculine is just kind of bringing it back to consciousness and grounding it down but I'm curious like what has been some of the things and you mentioned them briefly but maybe you can elaborate a little bit more that has helped you expand your capacity to hold your own feminine and to hold the feminine in in people relationships around you.
1: Yeah, this is a central part of the men's work that I've been involved in, that I've learned and studied with my, my mentors and tutors. And it comes down to the principles of being able to the depth of our breath, tuning into our bodies, grounding down, accessing our, the core of our being, which is the area between our hips, being able to breathe into that space and, and literally root and plug into the earth. Otherwise, we're just going to get blown over by life. And a consistent practice of mind, body, memory of intensity, amplification and expansion, whether it's through breath work or Qigong or weights or high intensity uh, situations and scenarios that we will cultivate in our, our regular practice. And that just helps us develop a mind, body, memory of being in intensity. And then when we come up against challenges in life, especially with our partners, that it's, it's, it's kind of embedded in our nervous systems. We're able to hold space for it. We're able to be with it and actually be with it and lean in. Mm. Feel the heat of the fire and lean in. Feel, feel the heat of mm. the fire and lean in. Feel that sexual arousal building, building to like a six, seven and, and like hold it and pull back, containing that energy. So it's all about energy containment and, and slowing the fuck down. That ability for a man to slow down and feel and then respond as opposed to like react.
0: Yeah.
1: It's, that's, the, that's, the, that's the training. That's the core of the masculine training that helps us deal with and we're going to get blown over consistently. We're going to get our asses handed to us all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I try and remind the men I work with is don't worry if you feel like you're getting your ass handed to so you just keep turning up.
0: Yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. It's uh, at least I can speak for myself, but I, I'm sure other women feel that it's like, look, just just keep showing up. You know, I'm not. I don't need you to be perfect. I don't need you to have it all figured out. What I need is you wanting to keep showing up to to getting falling down and standing back up again. Whether it's from your personal circumstances or the relational circumstances, or this is what builds character. This is what builds leadership. And I know so many women who are leading because they don't feel that they can trust the leaders uh, or the men around them, you know, and this is what has put so many women in their masculine. And yet deep down, I know so many women so deeply just want to be led by the masculine, you know, but if the masculine doesn't trust himself to lead himself, well, uh, good luck having a feminine trying to, trying to trust you to lead her.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Good luck with that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, You mentioned we have two gates that you spoke about: the first gate, the second gate. Is there a third gate, and and when, and what does that look like, and how does that show up?
1: Uh, the third gate tends to be after a year or so, and that the, the, the commitment deepens, and usually with the commitment deepening, whether it's moving in together or a public declaration, some 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 act of physicality or geography or the partnership kind of developing more of a a bond in time and space that tends to deepen the 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 volatility of the inner child and so the Mm. trigger points trigger patterns tend to get louder as well as and it's, it's just unfurling the layers like the layers get peeled back and obviously more of the internal wounding comes up and and then the, then the, ten, then the game of tennis has to really adapt. Like you, you have to be fast on the court. You've got to be like your reactions and your ability to hold the chaos that's coming up have to be refined. And this is why I say to a lot of people, especially the couples I work with is like, we can't do this in isolation. We need to be in community doing this. We can't just have each other and then the coach and a few mm-hmm. friends go and have a glass of wine with. we got to do this in community. We need a constant resource, um, network of resources and, and, and advice and wisdom and examples to kind of keep getting feedback from because we're relating in the matrix. With with There's so much karma to unravel and ancestral trauma and trauma in this lifetime. And, and that's why there's so much chaos in relating right now. So we need, need to do this in community. And I think when we get to that third stage, yeah, it's, it's it's really important to have a, a range of people we can turn to and go, what, what the fuck's going on? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's help.
0: yeah, I love that you said that because a lot of, yeah, I think a lot of the work that both of us are doing is really helping men have networks of men that they can go to and relate with and be reflected and mirrored by. And same with women, you know, having women who are around them, helping them reflect them, hold them, a lot of women, they're like, yeah, but he can't feel me. Like I want him to meet me. And it's like, she, he's never really probably going to be able to feel as much as you can, but your sisters can, like your sisters can mirror that emotion and, and they do have this capacity to really feel as much as you. And I think it's so important um, to have these systems and these structures. And of course, yeah, of course, opposite gendered sexuality or opposite gendered friends as well is, is important. So I'm, I'm happy that you brought that into this space. Cause I also feel it's incredibly essential for our evolution mm. is there yeah. a fourth gate or is there a fifth gate or like where where did the gate stop <laughs> where does the heart finally open alex
1: <laughs> <laughs> I don't that know. is I... the question <laughs> <laughs> where do we where's the finishing point Can we just relax <laughs> <laughs> just mm. it's all going to be peaches and cream i don't know actually i've i've only discovered a few of these gates in my personal practice I think they're, rel- they're endless and relentless. And we know about the stages of relationship and the primary stages that relationship goes through, boom and bust cycles, and then finally reaching a layer of being really settled in and evolving but our partnership. And I don't know. I mean, most of my partnerships have been very fast and wild and fiery because that's the design of my life up to this point has been to have a lot of intensity and not be settled. I think mm-hmm. I've reached a point in my life now where I'm truly ready for a, a longer, long-term, settled partnership. And when that appears, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But I think I've heard of, I've had a few human design readings and it was mentioned that you're you're at a point now where the, most of the chaos and being pulled around and in and out, fast exits and stuff like that is kind of coming to a close, Which which feels right to me. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we we need a range of guides. An astrologer on hand, but on standby. A human design reader on standby. <laughs> a tantric a
0: therapist.
1: <laughs> a coach.
0: <laughs> I think it's just it's so true. Like the people who you're looking up to as leaders, who you really feel are embodied, and you're inspired by the things they share on Facebook or Instagram or whatever. It's like we didn't start out this way, okay? I can speak for most, at least, embodied leaders. The reason why. They hold a frequency that you can trust is because they've gone through the fire. And we have support systems, mentors, guides, teachers, trainings, therapies, like it is all and I think this is really the essence of why we are in this human life where we are not alone. And there's so much around us that we get to connect to. And I think this is the beauty of social media these days and platforms such as this. It's like there is so much available to us at any given moment, more so than our parents ever had and i'm very curious to see what the next generation of children look like for all of the humans who are doing their inner work and understanding that they have an inner child and they have a masculine and they have a feminine and then they get to reparent this child through yeah not blaming or shaming their parents and not for not giving them what they wanted but just saying okay this is this is the hand i was dealt and yeah there's trauma in my body and there's trauma in my psyche and okay now that i have this awareness who can help me resource and what types of practices can help me resource um, so that I can move through this. And I think this is essentially the essence of the work that, that we are doing. And anyone who's in this leadership field, but especially in intimacy, relationships, and sexuality, you know, the podcast was called Driven for Purpose because at one point I was like, this is the most important thing, finding my purpose and leaving and leading my life in that way. Then I realized, wait a second, like, Actually, it's not that fulfilling if I don't have amazing connections and relationships to my sisters, to my brothers and in my romantic spaces. Like I can have the best, most successful career ever, but if I'm devoid of deep intimacy and being seen and seeing, it's actually not that great. <laughs> I think that this is really <laughs> what many of us who do this work has come to realize.
1: <laughs> yeah, I love that reflection, the, 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 the roles of leadership. Came through great suffering and immense confusion for many, many years, decades, in fact. And yeah, and and where are we going as a species, and what is what is in store for the next generation? But but yeah, we have to have we have to have a range of resources and people we can turn to that have different modalities and skills to kind of get to get the answer. You know, our inner our inner mystics, our inner magicians, want to know how this how this works and put it into practice. And I think. Accessing the archetypal realm is especially powerful and important now for all beings because of what's happening globally. Things are shifting now. The the whole world is changing. I mean, relating and dating, everything's been turned upside down. And I think we're collectively feeling this pressure cooker of like what could go on before in previous generations will not, you know, will not be acceptable now. There's just no way of doing it like that anymore. So I think there's a Thank deep core. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. turning up for it. There's a deep hunger for it. People are hungry for for amazing relationship, and
0: yeah. I hold to that.
1: <laughs> so,
0: Alex, how can people find you? Like, if people are like, "Wow, I really resonate with uh, with some of what you shared. I, I appreciate your perspective." What are some of the ways that you said you had some retreats happening in Ibiza? Are they all year? Are, are they workshops? Are you doing online things? What is, yeah, what's happening if people want to learn more from your own battle scars and <laughs> process moving
1: forward? Thank you for asking. I live on the island of Ibiza and we do weekend workshops here, Radical Intimacy, which is a couples workshop. I run a series of masculinity weekend workshops with a few friends. I also work with the Unmasked Man, which is Alexander Cottle and his team. And we do a lot of masculine archetype work. Those are longer retreats. They'll be held being held in England and Ibiza. So that's if you want to come and meet me in person. If you want to find me, I'm only really hanging out on IG at the moment, uh, Alex underscore Mishka. And my website is alexmishka.com. And that's
0: it. That's where you can come and find me. Mm. Wow. Well, thank you. I'll definitely leave all of this in the show notes for people who are interested. And I just want to really say thank you, Alex, for doing your work and for looking at your own in the mirror and looking at the shadows and instead of running away, really choosing to face them and for being a leader for other people in this world who are wanting to have deeper intimacy and deeper relationships and healthier relationships. And I always say, you know, us as leaders, don't put us on pedestals. Like (laughs) we have our own things that we go through, but the difference is, is that we're willing to look at them and go through them and solve them and say, Hey, I was facing this thing over here. And now I've kind of not facing that. So here's, here's what helped me. And thank you for being a human on this path. Who's trying to invite people to find an easier way perhaps than what we've traversed before.
1: (laughs) Well, bless you. Thank you so much for inviting me into your realm, into your field. And yeah, I've looked up to you and admired your work for a very long time. So it's uh, wonderful to meet you and and riff with you on these these topics, these timeless topics of relationship and energy and the hearts and human connection. So thank you very much. It's been an honor and a pleasure.
0: Mm. Yeah. And to all of you listening, of course, we do this podcast because it's great and it's fun, but it wouldn't be the same if it wasn't for you. And I've received so many messages from over the years, even when I stopped podcasting, of people saying, Oh my God, your podcast, please, like, don't ever take them down. I still listen to them, you know? So thank you for being here and for listening. And if this resonates with you, of course, we love it when you share it out. Leave a review if that feels resonant for you as well. And we look
1: forward to seeing you on the next episode of Deeper Intimacy.